Welcome back to the Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. I am uh, on location this episode and joined by my home team advisor, Austin Evans. Hello, hello, Mike. Back we at the are, factory. Uh, yeah, I'm back at the factory. <laughs> back at the factory. I, I, I'm trying to craft a new wing on this side and trying to make sure the OBS doesn't crash on that side. Yep. It's all very exciting. Yeah, so if you watch oh. the video version of this show, it's going to look different because I'm in a hotel room. If you listen to the audio version, it's going to sound different because I'm using my good microphone, not my streaming microphone. So maybe everyone's kind of winning. I don't know. I, I don't know what our stream looks like right now because Austin's doing it. He could have like drawn like uh, devil horns on my head or something. I don't know. You're actually correct. And if you listen to the audio-only version, what a great time to go and see Mike's expertly crafted Memphis setup where you're going to be here for a little while, right? For all the St. Yeah. Jude stuff? I'm here for 10 days uh, as we're halfway through our fundraising campaign for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital uh, because halfway through the month of September, which is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, we are putting on the Relay FM podcast-a-thon for St. Jude. So it's an eight-hour variety show where we're going to be uh, joined by a bunch of guests and we're going to be spending time talking about and raising money for St. Jude while at St. Jude's campus. So that's why I'm here. We'll be presenting the show. It's going to be really fun, full of hijinks. Uh, it's going to be on Friday, September 16th. So this coming Friday from 12 to 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. So there's definitely enough time, no matter where you are in the world, to catch at least some of it because you know, eight hours and all that. Uh, I'd really love if you'd come and join us and uh, donate some money to St. Jude. Uh, we are still running our campaign, of course. We're rounding $175,000 raised for the kids of St. Jude, which is unbelievable. Uh, I want to thank everyone for their support. You know, what we're doing together is helping to defeat childhood cancer. That is St. Jude's entire mission, is to find cures and save children. And who could argue with such an incredible mission that they have? Uh, it really, and it really is an incredible place. I can't wait to get to St. Jude later on this week, spend time there with all the wonderful people. Um, you're gonna, uh, we're going to be talking to doctors and patients, uh, surviving patients, patient families, which is like a big thing that we do every year, uh, as well as including all of our fun hijinks. There's a wheel. There's a balloon room. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff. It's This is going to be the biggest weirdest most wild podcast that we've done so far um so that's at twitch.tv slash relay fm is where you'll be able to find the stream uh please come and check it out and or just go to stjude.org slash relay and you'll find out more about how you can donate to the cause and also can find out uh, how you'll be able to join us on friday that was very exciting i can't wait to see the balloon room uh it's going to be i think extra spicy this year with some extra special guests perhaps yeah we've got a different it's a very different setup for the balloon room this year which i'm i'm actually pretty pumped about very different <laughs> all right mike we got <sighs> some serious business to attend to here yeah. the italian grand prix uh we just watched a race full of a bunch of very happy tifosi ferrari a dominating <laughs> one two max forgot to wake up for the race this morning Wait, it was a very we, exciting did we come from a different universe me and you oh, did i watch you're in the multiverse the multiverse yeah, yeah, of madness over there i'm in the multiverse where ferrari fans are happy unlike what we actually saw today right. where max uh ran away with it for his fifth consecutive win man it's like I think they said uh, this. He's actually never been on the podium at Monza before. So yeah, his I think first he, podium was a win. Yeah, I believe he was technically on the podium a couple years ago, but he got a penalty, so yeah. it didn't actually yeah. count. Just kind of like how Seb was on. Uh, I think he actually he was also on the po- was he on the podium from Mo- no it wasn't was it from Monza? Seb got a podium a little while ago. I know there was a problem there, but regardless, I think it was a really really exciting sort of race. Mike, would you be so kind as to give us that beautiful finishing order while wow. I tinker? I'm going to basically, I just, we need to take a quick pit stop because uh, certain Austin's got to make sure. you got some audio to fix? Maybe, <laughs> perhaps. Well, it's almost like live streaming and live racing are very similar and very difficult. Yeah. So you, you're getting a sense of what I'm going through every week, yes. watching the chat, <laughs> getting the levels, all that kind of stuff. All right, so this is the finishing order. So in P1, Max Verstappen, followed in P2 by Charles Leclerc. P3 is George Russell. So they're your podium winners. And then uh, we've got P4, Sainz and Hamilton, Perez, Norris, Gasly, Nick DeVries, which we'll get to in a bit, and Zhou Guanyu, uh, rounding out the points finishes for this race, which I would say is the top 10. Pretty interesting. We've got some good like balance in there. Honestly, P1, P2, P3 of Max, Charles, George. 
that's kind of setting in now as like this is what we can pretty much expect, which is very weird how like it's becoming very normal for George Russell to be on the podium now, which is uh, I think even before the season breaks, something we wouldn't have expected. Um, and then you've ran it out with science, which is a shame because science had a great race. We could talk about that. Hamilton, who was starting him from uh, 19th because of some engine penalties. There were way more engine penalties again uh, this yeah. week. Yeah. Right. Um, which would... and, and I think they were saying on commentary that this is Monza because Monza's so fast. It's like a good mm-hmm. track to take the penalties if you're going to do it and benefit from the engine changes that you might want. Uh, but yeah, it was a real mix-up grid again. But I would say, while it was still really mixed up, it wasn't mixed up in, I think, an exciting way when it came yeah. to the race itself. See, right? I think the way to make it really exciting would have been to make Max start one lap down. Then it would have been really exciting. Other than that, yeah. I mean, he was, what, P3 after like a lap or something? I mean, yeah. I know Lando got a bad start and Max just went, thank you very much. But yeah, it was one of those things where... We're quickly hitting sort of flashback zone for me personally uh, to just the absolute dominance of Mercedes the last few years. Yeah, We're just yeah, seeing yeah. it again and almost more so because I feel like Valtteri at least was able to keep Lewis honest for a lot of the like last, what, three, four years or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's just like Max is just like, doesn't matter. He can start 14th, he can start 10th, he can start 7th. He's just going to absolutely dominate the race unless something goes horribly wrong. And because they've taken some strategic penalties lately, it probably won't because now Red Bull and Max have a full suite of shiny new engine and various components in their car to make sure that for the last stretch of the the season they should likely not need to take any more penalties. Obviously, you know we'll we'll see, but you never know. Super right? interesting. No, yes, like this is the thing. If if all things being safe and good and well for him, sure. But there's also the likelihood that he's going to smash into someone or someone smashes into him, right? And but yeah, like that. If if all things go well and they're being strategic, they're doing the best that they can with it, right? Like, this is this would be their plan, I guess. So, I know we have some silly season follow-up to do, but, Mike, I'm curious. Yeah. What is your opinion? This has sort of been the second race in a row where a massive amount of the grid have received a penalty for one reason or another. I know a lot of people are kind of talking about, like, oh, the penalty system needs to be revamped. And I will say, like, I mean, we watched qualifying yesterday, and I think two hours after qualifying, do we have a somewhat decent idea of yeah. what the actual starting order was? Like, qualifying was kind of pointless. Like, it felt kind of pointless, right? I, I'll echo what I said after our last race. I've been thinking about it. I've been, you know, reading some of the feedback that we got from backmarkers, listeners, and viewers. And I feel pretty set on my feeling about this is that they should be uh, the penalty should accumulate and should carry over. Mm-hmm. So if you take enough engine points or placements that it's you know twenty five, thirty place drops or whatever, that should carry over to the next race. I, I don't think that you should get this benefit by taking them all at once, which a lot of teams do, right? Where like there's some things put you at the back of the grid fine, but there are, seems to be some elements where they're like that's a five place grid penalty, that's a seven place grid penalty, and you take enough of them at once that it puts you at the back. But no, I think that that should be no, that is your total, and so you should now like you start twentieth this week and you have a ten place grid penalty for next week, because I I feel like the strategic taking of penalties doesn't work for me. It feels like a loophole that I would like to see them fix, right? Like, it definitely, we are in loophole territory with this, right? Yeah, no, it's one of those things where I think if they had potentially even harsher penalties, it might change a lot of the way that the races go. Because if you think about it, every team knows that really with the engines and with the supply of things they've got, it's not enough, right? Like, they mm-hmm. cannot realistically get through an entire season without needing to take sure. any additional penalties, right? So, Say it's not like, oh, a back-of-the-grid penalty. What if it's a pit lane start or something, like something very aggressive? Or you have to take a drive-through penalty throughout the race yeah. or something. Yeah, that, that would work for me too, right? They're like, okay, you're going to get like a 10-pace grid penalty and a five-second stop and release. Like, I feel yeah. like it needs... I mean, look, this entire race, everything, everyone's only going to be talking about one thing. It's like how why and how rules should change, right? We have, we'll get to the finish later on. But like I think that this is something that needs to be addressed because I just don't think it's I don't think it's 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 adding up to end up giving us the best racing overall. 
Yeah. Like where there could then be some like a whole different level of like how do you str- more strategically take penalties to limit your impact on of accumulate? I just think it would be better that way. I I kind of I feel like the 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 limit on the power units is in place for a reason, and giving teams that are very fast like Red Bull the ability to like because look. I think we've seen now. Max could just have a new power unit every race, <laughs> right? Because he could come from the back and win it all. And I, and I feel like that in that scenario, it's not really giving the result that they're looking for with the whole penalty system. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's it's one of those things where, yes, there's certainly an argument. They're like, why are drivers being penalized for the teams? But like, the teams are building all these things. If they really wanted to, they could run their power units turned down for the whole year and make them last longer, right? Like, I mean, they're making a conscious decision. And mind you, we saw that the teams, while yes, they're sort of taking strategic penalties here at Monza and at Spa and whatnot, these power-sensitive tracks where every horsepower really counts and you want to have as many fresh components in the pool as possible. But on the flip side, look at the teams like even though what like half the grid took a penalty we still had what three or four engine or sort of various reliability related dnfs Mm. in the race right so Mm -hmm. it's like i don't think the teams are just having a great time like oh whatever you know like clearly everyone are pushing very very hard but it's like it is i don't think it's tenable if we continue to see qualifying sessions where it does not like there's no reason to watch because you have absolutely no idea what's Mm -hmm. actually going to happen um i would not be surprised if probably the short to medium term solution here is the teams just get extra allocation next year they get an extra engine a couple of various bits and bobs to kind of help i don't disagree with that find the balance right because if you made the penalty system harder as you say then it may mean that teams run their engines a little bit calmer. It's like, that's actually, I expect, the intended outcome of the current penalty system, right? It's like, you're supposed to make your engine allocation last pretty much the entire season, barring accidents, right? Yes. And so if the outcome is, no, we're just going to put the engine at 110% and we'll wear through an extra two of them by the end of the season, I don't think that's achieving... The, like the desired outcome of the penalty system as put in place by the FIA. So I think this, and also it just, look, we're going to talk, I think there's a discussion to be had now about what is the desired outcome of races. Is it, is it like, let's mm-hmm. have a real sports personship sports out, like sports sport, right? Where like there's a bunch of rules and we really, or is it entertainment? And I would yeah. say that, Realistically, you've got a balance between the two of them. And I'm not saying that let's make Formula One drive to survive. But, you know, I spent an hour, two hours of my day today watching a race, which was pretty good, but then finished. And, right? And it's yeah. just like, I kind of feel like I wasted some time today a little bit because of the way the race finished. And again, we're going to get to that in a bit, but I still think that there's something to be said about, do you want me to watch qualifying? Yes. Qualifying kind of needs to matter. Yes, absolutely. And especially if you imagine that, you know, they're still trying to push, you know, the sprint races and whatnot. But I think this is one of those races where because the on-track action, which was, to be fair, not terrible, right? I mean, the only real advantage to all of this sort of shenanigans is the fact that we do have a mixed-up grid. And, you know, I think we were talking a little bit about that before the show. Yeah, a mixed-up grid usually means exciting things. Same thing with, like, rain and whatnot. Like, you know, a little bit of extra spice, a little bit of extra jeopardy is always really fun to watch. But it also feels kind of unfair the way things are right now now i know we've got to talk about the finish we've got to talk about the race but before we move too deep into the race there was some very very significant news that came out right before the race which is that porsche has now officially pulled out of their talks to acquire a portion of red bull racing now we've been talking about this all year really right so to kind of set the scene if you're new to the back markers or new to formula one there are currently 10 constructors in the Formula One World Championship. Now, there are, especially with the absolute explosion in popularity with, with Formula One over the last couple of years, largely due and thanks to series such as Drive to Survive, there's a lot of incentive for teams to become bigger, more profitable, because they really have the cost cap, which is going to help them from burning $500 million a year or whatever to be competitive. And you've got all of these extra eyeballs and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. So... 
technically there can be more additional teams added, but every team that has to come in, you have to pay, I think it's like $200 million to the other teams just as a starter, much less however much absolutely obscene numbers you have to spend to build your facilities, blah, blah, blah. It is possible to build a new team from scratch, but incredibly difficult at this point. On the flip side, if you are a constructor, say like Audi, which is already announced, and Porsche, through basically were announcing that they were trying their yep. best, you want to get in, the best way to do it is to purchase or to buy a stake in one of the existing 10 teams. And what we've seen is that Audi has officially announced, and keep in mind that both Porsche and Audi are under the Volkswagen umbrella, so they're kind of like sister companies, but... Essentially, Porsche was like, hey, we really want to get in here. Audi said the same thing. But the difference is Audi are actually becoming an engine manufacturer, right? So the rumor was, was that Red Bull and Porsche were going to get together. They were going to share the new Red Bull facilities that they're building from scratch. They're going to be ready for the 2026 regulations, et cetera, et cetera. It all seemed great. And Audi are going to do their own thing by building their own engines and their own sort of facilities because Audi has essentially wound down a lot of their other racing uh, teams and and things to try to make a real real effort for Formula One because where so the where we're at excitement right now, of money is right if you're going to be embracing exactly. right now it feels like F1's on the rise so it seems like an interesting thing to be behind absolutely and this is one of the rare times if ever really in Formula One where a racing team could actually be profitable so that's what's kind of crazy about. Right. Formula One, you look at the hundreds of millions of dollars that are made and everything, but almost none of the teams actually make money, right? Like Ferrari, I mean, what's the the saying? Like every time you buy a Ferrari, you're giving a $100,000 donation to the Formula One team. <laughs> like it's marketing, right? I mean, like yeah. that's the real yeah. value. Mercedes aren't in Formula One to develop some fancy new AMG car for the road. I mean, yes, there's some small benefits to testing things like, you know, dual clutch transmissions and all these things that eventually make their way into road cars. But the advantage to teams, really generally speaking, is in promotion, whether you're a road car manufacturer or whether you're an independent team like Williams, who are one of the only teams who've been able to sort of really stick it out, or McLaren, who started as a race team and they became so popular, like, you know what, let's make some road cars. Or so, if you're an energy drink manufacturer. Yes, uh, right? that was a little bit of an odd one out, there but are, hey. Have, but it's still marketing, though. It's the same. Like, this is whole Red Bull, so much of Red Bull, the company's marketing is in extreme sports. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where Audi, they have a clear line on this, right? So they're working on their engine facilities. They're going to be being an engine manufacturer. And it is heavily rumored that they are going to purchase Alfa Romeo, or at least the team that runs Alfa Romeo very Sauber. shortly, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. It's Sauber. Exactly. But the problem is Porsche might be out of luck here, right? So they have clearly invested a ton of time into trying to purchase uh some of the leaked sort of filings said that they're trying to buy 50 percent of red bull racing mike i just want to just let's just maybe take a second here how much do you think 50 percent of red bull racing would cost that has got to be an obscene number right now would it push a billion i would not be surprised uh, it's in the hundreds if, of millions like i can't work it out genuine i can't work it out Hundreds of millions for sure. Yeah. I would not be surprised if Red Bull Racing valued their entire team at over a billion dollars. Like, oh, considering I mean, how well, how much is the cost cap? Uh, hundred forty-five, hundred sixty right. million, something like that. But so obviously, if that's their costs, right? Like, per do you year. know what I mean? Right. So, like, <laughs> yeah. if that's the yearly cost, yeah, one hundred forty million dollars, and then one thirty-five from next year onwards. I mean. It's got to be five, ten times that number, surely, right? Just in the... Because that's like what they're spending per year, right? But that's not counting the last 15 years of building facilities and hiring yeah. like Adrian Newey and all these kind of things, right? So a staggering amount of money. But, and I think the speculation where I think it's very interesting because... You know, Red Bull, they kind of shut it down because, I mean, well, I assume that the existing Red Bull crew did not want to give up their power. And it does mm -hmm. seem like there's a lot of rumors sort of saying that, hey, basically everyone who runs Red Bull Racing is like, I don't want to have to deal with Porsche. We don't need them. We've built all these facilities ourselves, so whatever. Uh, but what it also seems like is that there's not really a backup plan for Porsche. Really, the only backup plan might be to purchase Williams, which... I'm sure it's for sale. You know, they're owned by Doralton Capital, which is literally purchased the team as an investment for a bargain price. You know that if Porsche comes up and that makes a serious offer, that team is going to instantly be theirs, right? Like, there's yeah, no but I don't see it. It's a big ask, well, man. You go Williams from wanting to buy the top of the grid to the bottom of the grid. That's yeah, like Williams. You know, 
I think part of Porsche is like, well, we can go in together and we can make this engine thing work and there's money there. Well, Williams don't have any of that. None of that. Correct. Right? Uh, I Honestly, I could imagine maybe maybe like Volkswagen Group changes plan a little bit. Maybe they put Porsche Audi. Maybe they do something interesting there. Um, I don't know, but I can't see what they would do otherwise yeah right it's, it's one of those things where porsche could do yeah a few things they could just buy williams and just do their own thing and pour their giant pile of money they were going to spend on red bull into making that team more competitive but that's going to be a long hard slog you're mm. right volkswagen you know daddy volkswagen could come in and make the children play well together and work together and like it's the volkswagen audi team or something like that or sorry the porsche audi team which would be interesting but it does seem like there's real differences i mean if the red bull deal would have gone through they would have been proper competitors even building their own engines right which is crazy to think about that you know two sister sort of companies are like that i honestly think that red bull might just bail right like i know that they're really invested in this but i mean they basically have right that's they said like i mean porsche's like no it's done i I think red bull's just like we're on our own and porsche probably nothing for now yeah I definitely think the Porsche Red Bull thing is done, but I almost think Porsche might just bail on F1 entirely, oh, right? I'm sorry, I, it, you said Red Bull, so I got confused. Oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Red Bull's so done like- now. <laughs> Max, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, I think there isn't... There does not seem to be a logical path for Porsche unless they want to buy out a team that doesn't want to sell. McLaren? Well, this is what I was thinking, but McLaren, they're not going to want to sell the entire team. Right, because well, for Porsche, like you're not going to get Porsche and McLaren, right? That's not going to work. That doesn't make any sense. I don't think. I can't see how that makes sense. That seems weird to me. So then they would have to go in and buy the entire team. I feel like, like Porsche Red Bull. That's a partnership from a branding perspective that makes sense. Yeah, like Porsche and another car company. That doesn't. That doesn't make logical sense to me, at least. It would be far more difficult to wrap your head around. I mean, maybe if we were a couple of years ago when McLaren were in fairly serious financial difficulties. And again, I mean, I, I do believe that Porsche, if they're talking about the giant piles of cash that they are going to throw at Red Bull, they could make some crazy things happen, right? So I don't think we should discount the fact that some insane announcement could come. But as of right now, I would lean toward Porsche potentially not being part of Formula One. And that leaves Andretti, who have very publicly said that they want to get involved in Formula One, kind of on their own. Wouldn't it be wild if Andretti and Porsche come together to join F1 and just build an entirely new team from scratch? That would be something I would within love the next to see five years. Never happen. <laughs> I would say within the next five to ten years, we'll have another team in the sport. Because You think so? I think there's just going to be more and more companies that are going to want a slice of this. And 10 teams isn't enough. We're seeing it, right? Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, and there's one other sort of wild card in here, which is Honda. Because while Honda just pulled out of Formula One, they have basically, and it seemed very clear that the actual racing part of Honda has wanted to get in from the second they had to get out, right? I mean, they're still supporting Red Bull, even though it's called, you know, the Red Bull uh, powertrain, whatever. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the Honda engine from last year, right? Like, they're not really doing anything all that different. And Honda are still helping to support them. So Honda's F1 facilities are still up and running. So the other sort of rumor is that, oh, well, Honda might want to get back in, potentially with their own works team. So while right now it seems like it's probably just going to be Alfa Romeo turning into Audi for 2026 and all the other teams staying the same, you never know. I, I, if Porsche want to throw their money around, if Honda want to have a sniff around at things, it could get spicy, Mike. We could, we could be in for Silly Season, yeah. the team edition. I would at least love I hope that. So. Like add yeah. Honda racing, Porsche racing. Come on, let's yeah, go, baby. Man. Let's go, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm getting a bit of dag here. Uh-oh, Mike, is it time? Do I need mm-hmm. to tune the OBS and adjust our, uh, our our flaps to make sure that we're fully ready for the next you stent? Adjust the audio. Woo! <laughs> you know, I'm ready to go. Yeah, baby. yeah. I'm going to keep my hands off those knobs for now. <laughs> okay, that's a good idea. All right, you got, you got right. the timing ready? Got the double timing ready? Today. Oh, okay, okay. Get that sort of uh, a little pre-refreshment sort of drink I'm in. Taking off my blankets. Nice stretch. All right, ready and go. This episode of The Backmarkers is brought to you by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and paying too much for big wireless providers, it's no wonder that we're skeptical in realistically about new deals. You're like, 
Come on, what's catches here? So when you learn Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month, you've got to raise your eyebrows. What's this all about? But once you learn about them and their service, it makes sense. There isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret source is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. By cutting out retail stores, they can pass those sweet savings directly to you. For people looking for extra savings, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And what's great is you can use your own phone of any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contract contacts. So it's as easy as switching to Mint Mobile and getting premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. One of the great things here, it's incredibly easy once you get your SIM to get yourself up and running. You do it all online. You don't have to sit, go to a store, sit on the phone for hours. It's incredibly fast, incredibly easy, and you're ready to go. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. That's mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. A thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. Time. Woo! That was a 132.2. The second fastest Mint read of all time. Congratulations, sir. Point two, you said? 132.29. 132.29. That's good, because I felt like I had a bit of trouble with the back left at one point. No, you know what? Uh, the wheel gun fully actuated. The jackman <laughs> didn't forget to take a nap. You're, you're in good shape. We ready for the double stack now? Yep. You ready? All right. Ready, set, and begin. This episode of The Back Markers is brought to you by Trade Coffee. Every day is precious, and we should make the most of all of them. They shouldn't start with mediocre grocery store coffee. You deserve to start your day with the best coffee you can make at home from Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before. They partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country directly to your home on your preferred schedule. Your trade experience can be as simple or sophisticated as you want. If you know what you're looking for already, you're very easy to just select from their curated collections from roasts, flavor profiles, brewing methods, or more. Their team of experts do all the work for you, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. Or if you want to have something curated for you, then to take a minute and complete trades, coffee questionnaire you'll be expertly matched with your perfect coffee and a fresh bag of beans will be on its way to you the coffee that i get from trade is so good i cannot believe how much i love what they pick for me and just how easy it was for them to find exactly what i wanted based on their questions their team worked with me to create my own custom collection which is great because i'm incredibly picky about my coffee and now you can enjoy what i enjoy about trade they have come with a really great collection of beautifully stuff that that matches my flavor profiles that i enjoy every morning there's some really tasty stuff in there i want you to go experience it for yourself if you like me want your coffee to taste just right and a little bit better every day go and check out my collection at trade but if what i got isn't up your alley don't worry Trade will have whatever it is you're looking for. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh just when you need it. And you've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you're going to love every bag. And if not, they're going to work with you to place it for free. They're going to absolutely make sure that your first bag is perfect. If not, they're going to work with you to replace it. So, if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash backmarkers. That's drinktrade.com slash backmarkers for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for the support of this show and Relay FM. Time, 224.66. That was slow today. Mike, I'm not sure. Did you have a problem? Uh, did you have to refuel on the stop? Maybe with a little bit of trade coffee to make sure you were yeah. ready for the final stand of the race? I'm going to have to work on that one. I'm going to have to work on Makes that one. Makes sense. All right. Let's limber up. Let's actually talk about this race, Mike, because it was an interesting race. I, I don't know how I would rank it in the best races of the year because it wasn't super exciting. I didn't but enjoy it today. I, I didn't enjoy it. I'll be honest. <laughs> really? Was it that yeah. bad? I was yeah. hoping for more from the mixed up grid, right? Yes, I Which agree with that. didn't really come. Um, there wasn't any 
really game-changing safety cars, which I was kind of expecting from Monza. Well, there was, but, uh, well, just game. It didn't change anything. <laughs> it didn't change it. <laughs> uh, and there wasn't any surprises. So, uh... what I would say is, if this race finished regularly, I would kind of be like, oh, okay, this was this was fair enough. But that finish today sucked all of my enjoyment out of the race. I didn't understand what was happening at points. And I just think that, like, I, I don't understand some of the decisions they make. And today was one of them. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I completely agree. I'm going to have to level with uh, the backmarkers audience here. Um, I missed, uh, you know, so just a little kind of behind the scenes here. So uh, before, you know, before the races, you know, Mike and I are watching and stuff. And I always have to take a few minutes toward the end of the race to come upstairs to get my setup going kind of ready to record and i may or may not have had a diaper to change as mm-hmm. my pit stop as it was coming up and i when i come upstairs I'm like oh there's like four laps left and i look i'm like there's a safety car what happened and quickly realized oh nothing happened because the end of the race is lame and boring now and i'm glad i changed the diaper instead of changing my opinion of the race i'm not sure if that works but i'm just gonna go with it uh look it's tough because there's a real fundamental question when it comes to Formula One in that what's the most important thing? Fairness and competition or entertainment for the spectacle of things, right? And I don't think that's an easy question to answer because yep. this whole series does not work without some emphasis on both sides, right? Like we saw what happened last year when Formula One, when the FIA pretty much put the spectacle of everything first and foremost, right? And I think there's a real argument to be made that they put the spectacle way above the sporting fairness of the way things should go, right? Today, I think it was almost the exact opposite in that they could have red flagged that race, right? But they did not. They chose not to. They chose to let it run out in the fairest way, which, you know, I mean, look, credit to Max. Max did a great job. He absolutely was winning that race. And imagine how upset people would be if just like last year max would have you know come in on cold mm. tires or whatever and lost the his his clear lead because they artificially threw a red flag to make sure that we had racing laps right so for me this is a tough one because i don't i don't think there's a super clear no. answer here there isn't this, this is what <sighs> i'm saying of like i feel like they gotta i'm not saying don't do it this way but stick to this yeah. right yes yes consistency yeah. pick one and be consistent right and like i i know that the fia have stated in the past and i think even so uh, for this year that they do want to if at all possible finish a race under the green flag right even if it's a one lap like you know everyone has come to see a race people have paid a lot of money to show up in the stands we all at home have you know woken up at 5 a.m or 6 a.m or whatever to watch it if you're on the west coast and it's one of those things where if they can do it they should do it but I kind of feel like for this scenario, the finishing order was what it should have been, realistically. Yes, it is unfortunate the way things happened. I think if they would have thrown a red flag, the FIA would have gotten under more flack than they are for now. Like, I do think they slightly made the right call. Yeah, there's no, there's no, like, flack like Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah. Yeah, This is understandable. It feels like, hey, you're just messing around with rules here to do what this way is just like what we're saying today is like it was just a bit of a wet blanket at the end of the episode episode <laughs> at the end of, <laughs> uh, it was a bit at the end of the like the race and it was kind of just like this this ultimately left me feeling a little bit like underwhelmed but i think maybe underwhelmed is a better feeling than i think they fixed the race <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's like you had a sniff of an exciting finish and then you didn't get it versus yeah. this was robbed. It's unacceptable. Oh, man, it's tough. It's just like one of those things where... And but I, know, I do um, feel Mike like there the could chat. be a new rule to kind, of, to, to kind of, you know, if you're in the last 10% of the race, any laps on the yes. safety car get added to the total. But I know that's complicated because of fuel, right? So like, yes. these are all the issues, right? Like, <sighs> what were they supposed to have done? You have a stop. Yeah, it's really complicated. There isn't a good way to handle this, I don't think. They yeah, probably know, did the best they could, but it, no. you know, I'm just saying from an entertainment perspective, it, it kind of sucks some of the fun out of it because you see something like, oh, Ricardo's engine shut down. Here we go. It's like, no, 
Nope. So uh, the chat actually has a bunch of good points. So Mike actually has a terrific one, which just is that why didn't they have the crane closer or ready? Which, I mean, look, obviously it's difficult, you know, especially certain tracks have very limited sort of uh, accessibility and whatnot. So I, I understand they can't have a crane in every square inch of the track that a driver could stop. But also Tony has a terrific point. Uh, this is why NASCAR went to the whole green-white checkered thing. Uh, Mike, what, do you what follow is NASCAR like at all? No. Okay, so now I'm going to say this from someone who uh, used to watch NASCAR a lot, have not watched it a lot recently, but the races that I have sort of tuned in on a little bit here and there, NASCAR, I think, have, they're, they're I think, the poster child for really putting the entertainment and the spectacle first, right? Uh-huh. They split the races up into different phases. They, uh, I know in IndyCar, uh, they force like safety cars or something. I'm not, I don't watch IndyCar as much, but for NASCAR, the way I understand it, uh, and again, please chat correct me if i'm wrong but the way i understand it is that when <clears throat> something like this happens they do the green flag then the white flag then the checker so at least you get a couple of racing laps so that there's not a boring end to the race now i'm sure there's you know various different reasons why that may or may not happen if whatever the case is but still like there's a clear emphasis on trying to put the entertainment first but i would also argue that if you try to watch a modern nascar race without the context it's very complicated. I mean, they have like the chase where they like reset the points at a certain point. <clears throat> they they do a lot of things to make the spectacle of it really interesting to avoid things like Formula One where, you know, there's a driver 30 seconds ahead, 100 points in the championship, mm-hmm. which is admirable, but also it does cheapen the racing to me a little bit when you know that you're really trying to fight for that 20 second, you know, gap here, or there, whatever the case is. Uh, yeah, IndyCar has caution sessions, but they make sure to if there's a red, if there's a caution close to the race end. So like, I just think ultimately I, as well, though, right? Like, and I think that's what uh, Michael's getting to in the chat. That situation of the cars driving past the crane as the car that was really dangerous. Mm. Like they at one point they just lifted the car off the ground and the car started kind of swinging a little bit. Like I don't think that was good. Like the, they should not have been driving past. Like, what would be the harm in in this scenario of them taking the cars around to the starting grid and just stopping? Like, why why do they have to keep driving? I mean, that's a red flag, right? I mean, that's the definition of a red flag. Go into the pits, everyone stop, uh, change but your tires, in general, do whatever you need like, to do. But just in general, like, with a safety car, yeah. like... What is the? I guess well, so because you don't want to do a full start again. Is that it? But you could stop them and roll them out again, right? Like I don't, I don't understand. I think fundamentally, like, why do we need to keep racking up the laps? Well, the idea is the race should always continue if at all possible, right? right? I mean, that's why there's a virtual safety car. That's why there's a regular safety car, and the red flag traditionally is only for like some crazy dangerous condition, right? Whether it's, yeah. you know, a torrential downpour or, you know, someone has An destroyed a barrier. so bad. And, like sometimes we've seen that. Exactly. Right? right. Like, yeah. Like if there's some huge accident, it's going to take the marshals they have to all walk on track or something. But generally speaking, the red flag has not generally speaking, I feel like I have to be very general because I know there's been some specific uh, opportunities, but usually the red flag is only for real serious safety issues. Mm. And for this, they could get the track, the car off track without stopping the race. Right. So the only reason to throw that red flag is to make the spectacle more exciting and to sort of bunch the pack up and everything. But it was only what three or four laps over. They did not have like an enormous amount of time to sort this out, especially if you think that, Oh, maybe they could get the car off the track and uh, it's a tough situation. Right. But I do think it's a little bit of a red herring just in the fact that, like, yes, this could have spiced up the race. I don't think it would have changed the result massively. Don't really think so. And also, Max totally deserved this win, right? So it's yeah. like, the, yeah. yes, it, yeah. I think well, seeing Pierre win and seeing Daniel win, like, Monza has this, like, oh, anything could happen. But, like, was it really going to happen today? I don't, I don't you know. know. I do struggle with the deserved part because this happens all the time, right? Like, True. Max, this could have happened four or five laps earlier and Max could have lost the win. But that doesn't mean that he should then have the win given to him. Like, just because we were three laps away from the end doesn't necessarily change the quote-unquote deservedness of the first place, right? Yeah, but the difference is that's the way that the luck went, right? I mean, racing yeah. is a huge amount of luck, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just a, 
I'm not arguing that. It's just, I, yeah, it's just like the idea of like, oh, you know, this was definitely the way it happened because Max was did so well. It's like, well, no, but it doesn't work that way because it's kind of this stuff happens all the time, right? Like someone yep. did so well and they span out. Well, like you know, I, I think back to Russia, right? Lando did so well, but just didn't put the wet tires on, <laughs> right? Well, I'm sorry, yeah. like that was very unfortunate for you, right? You know. Anyway, it, it's tough, but. That's Regardless, the, I there's think there's nothing else to talk about. I feel like with the with the with the way it ended, it's just this is just is what it is. Absolutely, there were a couple of other things I mm. think that are worth talking about. Maybe not quite as exciting. Um, I think Checo did a good job, generally speaking. I mean, he took a very early pit stop. His brake was on fire, but he definitely made up some serious ground, especially in that sort of second stint where he did like what forty laps on a set of hards. That was exciting. It was good to see him do pretty well although p6 is probably not what he had really hoped for um i don't know what, what were some of the things that jumped out to you i mean carlos definitely sliced through the field i think better than i enjoyed carlos else, right else. you know he was overtaking yeah. someone on that first corner every lap like one after another after another like carlos had a real good race uh i kind of honestly felt bad for him that yeah they ended up in fourth right like i, I think he he put in a, just a mammoth effort today i thought it was really great from him uh, obviously, yeah. Nick DeVries, right? We have to talk about oh, that. Oh, we got to talk. We got to talk about Nick. But before we move on to Nick, can I just give a shout out to Lewis? That one yeah, move man. on, uh, was it Pierre? Pierre I, he he and passed two cars in like five seconds. I think it was Pierre and maybe Lando. Yeah, so, something like that. Whatever happened, you know, someone came in from the pits. I don't remember exactly what it was. But all I remember was that Lewis pulled off some crazy move and just drove so, around yeah. everyone. I'm like, man, he made everyone look like they were just like absolute amateurs. That was great. To it's see. like they said on 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 uh, commentary that like he might be the oldest, like well, the second yeah. oldest on the track right now, but he makes them look like they're sleeping. Like that was kind of, yeah. it's just like, you know, like you think like, oh, he's a sleepy old man, but like, no, he's wily. And it is wild to think, Absolutely. right, of like the the age thing with Lewis now. Like, I don't think he's second oldest, but he's up there, right? But it's just like, it's just really interesting. Like second, the most experienced maybe more than, anyway. Actually, no, I, I think he is the second oldest. Who else would be older than Lewis on the Seb? Kid? Obviously, Fernando. No, I think Lewis is older than Seb. I'm oh. pretty sure. Okay. But then yeah, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think Lewis is legitimately, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a, I think a couple of highlights of the race, but I do think generally speaking, the theme was obviously Max was crazy fast. What? Max Verstappen is a really fast race car driver. I mean, look, yes, I think there's always that argument that, you know, you can red flag the race or whatever the case is. But once you kind of look at the race as a whole, you look at how dominant Max really was. I mean, think about Ferrari. Ferrari were throwing everything. I think this is one of those rare opportunities where even though there's tons of radio chatter and even the commentators are talking like, why Ferrari just constantly asking the drivers what to do, which doesn't sort of exude a lot of confidence. But Ferrari, I think, did legitimately try basically everything and nothing. I I have no complaints about Ferrari's race. I think they, they put in a good race. By the way, I love the yellow. The yellow's fixed the car, uh, in my opinion. Um, I, I like the car. I don't like the yellow like uniforms. I feel like it looks the like they un- work like McDonald's or something. It's <laughs> like yeah, minions, minions all coming out and chasing, take, changing the tires. <laughs> it's very funny Oof, to me. That's uh... <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed the yellow on the car. I do think, by the way, like shape-wise, Ferrari had the best-looking car. I still don't, still don't think the color's right for me, but like the actual look of their car is so beautiful the way it like dips in the middle you know it's you like yeah, you yeah. take a bath in that car right like in one of those wings it's like so deep but like i <laughs> i have no complaints with their race today i think they're they just did, too slow but yeah i don't think it was honestly i don't think they really could have done anything different i don't think there was another yeah. outcome for them uh barring max having I mean, an issue like they seem to, to kind of get it all as good as they could today. I think all things considered for Carlos's penalty, like he did a decent job and I don't think it was anything other than like Lewis ended up just having a stronger, I oh, know because Lewis was behind him. Sorry, George, I mean, just had a stronger race, right? Like he wasn't yeah. coming near him. It just ended up being just about right. I think for Ferrari today. I think, honestly, the top, you know, four or five positions are all just about right. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it should say something when 
Leclerc starts P1, Max starts P7, and Leclerc was the clear underdog in the race and ended up, you know, before the the safety car, 15, 17 seconds behind or whatever it was. I mean, it just shows the pace of Max Verstappen and that Ferrari is ridiculous. But also, it shows that, like, you know, look, George did a terrific job. You know, he started P2, which obviously was not really... Yeah, that was not really sustainable, but, you know, he did a terrific job. Um, I mean, everyone just got really spread out, right? Which is... George was very competitive. Yeah. It didn't look like he was holding anyone up. It didn't look like he was uh, like bait for anyone. You know, like yeah. he was very competitive against Carlos. Like Carlos wasn't going to catch him. Um, yeah, and Mr. And, Consistency. You know, George was putting in Leclerc like speeds at some points. Like I, you know, I, I was I personally obviously very happy with with George's result again, and I think that he is just once again proving like he yeah. has an immense amount of talent. And I can't Absolutely. wait to see him at full speed, whenever that might be. All right, Mike, we gotta we gotta prepare ourselves to talk about a certain Nick DeVries. So, for context, if yeah. you perhaps missed the race or missed really the yesterday's sort of drama, yeah. um, Alex Albon, our good buddy, future friend of the podcast, I'm sure, uh, had a little issue called appendicitis. Yep, not good. And he's having not the good, appendix so. out too, like. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like bad so. time, bad time of appendicitis. Uh, did you see his tweet where he was yeah. like, "I'm going to be lighter <laughs> the for the reduction. next race"? It's like, man, I love that guy. Love that. Guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, great for him actually that we've got a couple of weeks off, so he'll be able yeah. to fully recover, right? Because otherwise, he would be out for multiple races. Um, but Dick DeVries, who yeah. is in the Mercedes driver program, he's a previous yes. um, F Formula E. World Formula champion. E. That's it. It's not. Didn't call it F E, right? It's Formula E. He was the Formula E uh, champion. Did he F3. race yeah. in, also, in F3 and F2? He did. And I believe he was champion in F2 in 2019. Right. I, 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2019. So clearly a guy with a terrific CV. And it was very uh, sort of convenient. So Nick DeVries is the Mercedes reserve driver. But Mercedes, because they have power units for, you know, what, half the field almost, uh, they loan them out, essentially, right? So he was actually, he did the FP1 session for Aston Martin uh, because all the teams have to run, I think, two FP1 sessions with young drivers throughout the year. So Aston Martin just threw him in the car, you know, to sort of check that box because I don't think they would ever really run him. But uh, it was very convenient because he got to get some running in in the Aston Martin on Friday. Saturday morning gets the call, hey, Alex Albon's sick. Can you go drive the Williams in an hour? And he did a terrific job. I mean, just even I watched a little bit of FP3. He was immediately super ballsy, super aggressive. He got uh, into Q2, in good times. right? He got into Q2 yeah. above Latifi, you know, the guy who's been driving this car for, what, two years, two and a half years. It was actually kind of sad, and we should talk about Latifi. But, like, it was, uh, there was an interview where uh, Latifi got out-qualified, obviously, by DeFries. And they're like, oh, what does it feel like to be out-qualified by a guy who's never driven your car before? And he goes, not great. <laughs> just like, oh, my God, dude. Look, <laughs> look <laughs> I am not Latifi's biggest fan. I am not a go-tee-fear. But, look, man, you got to feel for him. Like, that's embarrassing. That's just so embarrassing. Like, like obviously, he has no shot at the seat for next year, right? I think this... I don't think he had one before, but this is definitely the nail in the coffin. Yeah. But like, man, you don't have to like rag off the guy. Like he's trying his best out there. Nah, like, come on. Uh, what would you ask but, him, uh, right? What are you going to ask him? Like this, uh, that's the question. Money back guarantee. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. But look, DeVries put in a, just a very, very solid performance. You know, he's currently, uh, he's got points, right? He's got like one point. He got, I think there's some conversation. Two. I think as we're recording, he's at the stewards. I'm seeing the chat saying, um, no, he's he had fine, some track I... limit concerns, I think, but who knows? No, no, I actually think he's fine. He put in a great performance, like yep. just incredibly solid performance for you know being ninth uh, on his first yeah. uh, time in an F1 car with no. Again, like you know, like we say this, he's not even caught like a rookie because he hasn't had any testing. You know, like well, to he's... the level that say yes. a rookie would have right he's driven yeah. some laps and you know but like yeah it's just, i just think it's very impressive just very impressive i, I i'm and, i'm very intrigued by the guy 
And of course, he got a little lucky, you know, with Danny Rick falling out, which sort of promoted him up. But he was still on pace for uh, at least one point coming in 10th. So he ended up being qualified as ninth. And if the stewards try to take away his points, I am going to personally be upset. Oh, There's no way that's going to happen, though. Better watch out. No way it's going to happen. FIA Austin will be upset I will be. I will file a formal complaint. Mm. I'm now going to stand Nick DeVries because that was a terrific race. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, no, was, he's driver of the day for us, right? Like, no doubt. Driver of the day. Yeah. I would give him backmarker of the day. Why not? Oh, I mean, he is both. He was a backmarker. Yeah. Yeah. So, he that's good. Terrific. Done. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. great. It, also, he just looked good. Just looked good in the car. Some good moves, yeah. good overtakes. He was doing some good defending. Like, he looked very at home in it. I, I would say there's a very good chance he'll be in the Williams seat. Um, I could not agree more. I mean... It would be wild for them not to want to hire him after that. I mean, what well, but, kind of... Well, unless like Danny Rick, but as, uh, again, we maybe were talking about a little bit before the show, uh, Danny Rick may or may not have gotten caught on a hot mic, basically saying that he might be taking off next year. A little hard to make out, but like, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. But like this this is what we've been talking about, right? Like, would, would Williams prefer a Mercedes driver or a driver of their own choosing like that they can actually benefit from in the long term? I don't know, right? Like, Well, also, does Danny Rick really want to go to Williams? Like, what He's going to race for Williams for two years and then retire. Like, yeah. I think that's, that's it. I think Danny Rick's thought here is that he's still, you know, especially if, you know, he had a bad year, about a couple years, but maybe he goes off, takes a year off, gets right with himself mentally, and mm. then he's a little bit more of a tantalizing prospect, especially if a few more seats open up in 2024. But regardless, Nick DeVries, yeah, terrific. Real solid. Absolutely real, real terrific. Solid. Mike, who is your underperformer of the race? I'm not really sure. I think I have a bit of a question around Sergio right now. Like, Yeah. He's doing good, but the the... Delta between him and Max is really large. Um, yeah. And kind of like it's in a big. way that you were hinting at earlier, seems larger than Lewis and Valtteri was. Yeah. And yep. this wasn't the case earlier in the season. And of course, you know, like, don't we can't forget, right, that I think he's second in the drivers right now. Oh, no, he's dropped down to third. Uh, yeah, so, but he's, he's right up in there. He's right up there. Yeah, but seven points ahead of george he's not that up there yeah right so like that george is in sniffing distance for third place now which is very interesting in the standings but yeah i he did fine today but this this is the thing that i'm i'm like he's doing he's having a good season he's having a very good season 210 points third in the championship that's a good season But but max is just having an ungodly season and so this is where argue. I'm like, I don't understand what's, you know, again, obviously Max is the best driver on, on the field right now, right? We can see that. Yeah. But yeah. it's a big difference between the two of them, where ostensibly it should be driving the same car. So there are just questions, but not as many questions as there have been with previous Ripple partners. Yeah, by a little bit. But it's, it's like one of those things where you look at that Red Bull and Max Verstappen's hands. I don't think if he would have started... He could have started from the pit lane. I still think he could have won that race, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Whereas Checo obviously had some problems. You know, he he did have his brakes catch on fire. Just probably no fault of his own, right? Yep. But like, it's it's just I don't know that anyone else could do something better. And realistically, Red Bull need a team designed around, or they have a team really that's designed around Max, right? And Checo is there to be his rear gunner yep. to rack up some points for the team. And not and pick up a win when Max uh, sleeps in and forgets to show up for the race or something, right? Like I think that's sort of the extent of it, which is kind of sad. I, I don't know if I could quite give him underperformer of the race, but I, I I can't argue with it. I cannot argue with it. My underperformer of the race though is Ferrari, and it's also got a question mark because like they didn't actively do something wrong. But yeah. what has happened this year with Ferrari kind of having the fastest car at the beginning, and then it's like they've basically not developed they have not gotten quicker they just kind of had the same car the whole year obviously i know that's not the case right they've had plenty of new parts but like they have not improved the performance of the car anywhere near as quickly as red bull has right and i think there's really something to be said about that of like red bull were are i don't think they were the fastest at the beginning of the year right i mean clearly uh what uh 
Charlotte had like a 40 or 50 point lead at one point. It was something yeah. huge, right? Red Bull's cars were exploding. They weren't finishing races. Leclerc was absolutely dominating. I mean, look, uh, as someone in the chat pointed out earlier, uh, one of our early episodes this season was like, oh, are Ferrari unstoppable? Boy, that didn't age well, did it? Like, I, it's, it's tough. And obviously Ferrari is a team with has many problems, both internal and external. But it's like, so, something... They've got to be looking at themselves. Like, this is our chance, right? This was our chance this year. Mercedes fell out of it. Red Bull did well, but, you know, Ferrari right up there. Why have they not developed the car more? Why have they fallen so far behind? Like, it's just, that's not a normal thing. Well, at least, unfortunately, it's kind of normal for Ferrari. But it sh- it shouldn't be like that, right? Like, they should not have fallen off so hard to the point where they literally are starting first at their home track. Max is starting in seventh. And it wasn't even a close fight. Like I, that just does not ring right to me. There's something that's really, really wrong there. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very different feeling, right? Because yeah. this was it, right? This is what we said it before. I think we said it basically every episode for the last three or four. Ferrari seemed unstoppable. They had just the right mixture, but they have not come on in the same way that the other teams have. You know, yes, yeah. All and like, the other as Mike, teams a bunch around of people... them seem to be making leaps, and Ferrari feel like they're kind of holding on most of the time, even yeah. though they're still uh, putting in good performances. It's their good performances are not improving. They're still mm-hmm. doing like about as good it feels like as they were at the start, and yeah, but they're I, not Aston Martin, right? Like Aston Martin two double DNF today, Link. <laughs> Oof. Uh, Fernando as well was having an okay race at least, mm-hmm. and clearly that didn't work out. But yeah, also shout out to Danny Rick. He was on for some pretty decent points uh, through no fault of his own. He went kablooey. I don't know. It's just it's just a little tough. It's just a little tough for me to, to wrap my head around exactly why Red Bull are so fast. Ah, oh, man. What was your favorite moment of the race? Because honestly, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I guess enjoyed, no, 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 I do have it. I do have mine. Okay, I, I mean, mine. I enjoyed but, Lewis's charge. Yep, that's it. Yep. Um, because at first, for the first maybe ten laps, I was like, Lewis, what are you doing? You know, like yeah. I know he had a bit of a dust up, I think, with Valtteri at the beginning, but it felt like he wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like all of a sudden he just came alive uh, and yep. charged up the field and had a very solid race, and I think turned out a real kind of good performance considering where he started right which is basically the back so i mm-hmm. think that that was very you know it was good to watch him see come up there and get a top five like i think that was that was real solid in the end yeah yeah no you know what uh, as soon as those words came out of my mouth i remembered matt uh, lewis's amazing overtake I'm like that was that was yeah, it i really enjoyed that overtake but like then just in, uh, he gave me what i hoped he was gonna give me today but it took yeah. him a while to get started <laughs> well you know what uh, it's a long, well, actually, I was about to say it's a long race. I think actually Monza might be the shortest, like, amount of time. It's fast, right? Uh, it's fast, because well, I think they're burning so much fuel. I think that's really the thing. They're at full throttle, like, 80% or whatever. So, I was like, man, we're done with this race really quick. Even with the safety cars, it still felt like it was yep. a quick race. But, ah, man. Mike, are you for Singapore? Next. Yeah, man. Are you ready to wake up at, what time is Singapore going to be for you? Oh, I actually don't even know for me. That's going to be a wacky race, because that's a. Uh, for you, it's five in the morning. Oh, so like for normal. me, it's oh, one okay. o'clock in the afternoon. Singapore's fine. It's then as we move on from there, it starts to get weird, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Japan I... is six o'clock <laughs> in the morning for me. <laughs> Ten o'clock yeah, at yeah, night yeah. for you. The day before is I enjoy those ones. They're really weird. We I don't. We had one of those. It's Australia, right? Australia, Australia was like that too. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna look, be funny. I'm very. I will excited. say I got the time wrong today because in Memphis I woke up at six in the morning for the race to begin. I didn't need to do that. It started at eight. <laughs> I don't know what. I think I just got it in my head your time and then just moved with it from there. I'm glad. I'm glad, Mike, that you've absorbed West Coast time yep. and sort of made it internal for you. Uh, very excited though about Singapore. I know Singapore doesn't have the greatest um, reputation for being a really competitive race, but it is a night race. It is a street race. It is a fast race. And those walls, man, they get a little smaller every year. I, I hate driving Singapore in. in F122. It's one That's of the, Hurley like, Motorsport having a rough time. They don't like Singapore. Uh, it's 
it is a race that I can complete, unlike Monaco. I still can't. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know why. I just can't do it. Uh, Singapore, I can do. I think, for me, this is the first time I've seen the Singapore Grand Prix. Oh, interesting. Because they oh, yeah, didn't uh, do it in 2020 and 2021. Yes. The last Singapore Grand Prix was 2019. Yes. Right? So, I have yeah, not I seen so. a Singapore. It's the same. It's like I hadn't seen an Australian Grand Prix until this season. Oh, hey, uh, Japanese Grand Prix as well, huh? Yeah. Japanese I haven't Ooh. seen. So there's a bunch of races on the calendar that are new to me this year, which I'm excited to see. Just That would be fun for me just to see how they look, right? Yeah, so I haven't had a Japanese Grand Prix. And then I think that's it after that because I've seen a Mexican and I've seen... Mike, have Brazil, you seen a Las yeah. Vegas Grand Prix yet? Not yet, baby. Couple, I think <laughs> a year to go for that. It's like kind of ne- it's next year, right? It's next year, next next November, I think. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone wants to find Mike and I, will be in the casino, um, you know, making it rain on uh, Las Vegas Grand Prix night, or uh, at home watching quietly and then probably going That's to sleep after. Like. Uh, one of the two, you never know. It's one or the other. We'll see how it ends up going. Uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Backmarkers. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Backmarkers Live. We're Backmarkers.live for our video, Backmarkers.fm for the audio. Please don't forget to tune in to the uh, Podcastathon for St. Jude on September 16th from 12 to 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. You can find out more and donate to the life-saving mission of St. Jude at stjude.org slash Relay. And we'll be back next time. Say goodbye, Austin Evans. Until the next time that Mike lets me behind the wheel of OBS, we'll see you then.